I was in a director's roundtable discussion yesterday, and they were all talking about storyboarding. And fortunately, the question never got to me because I would have had to say, I never storyboard. I just kind of think up stuff. You know, even that the lovely shot in the film, I think it's lovely, uh, where the boy confesses to the man at the restaurant about what happened to the father and why he's in the in the asylum. It starts on a tight close-up and mm. slowly zooms out. I didn't think about that till the morning I was driving to set, and I thought, oh, yeah, what about the, that first shot of The Godfather? Oh, yeah, that would huh. be, be a good thing to steal today. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, three very different people bond over Christmas break and director Alexander Payne's comedic drama, The Holdovers. The film tells the story of Paul, a cranky history teacher at a boarding school forced to chaperone a handful of students with nowhere to go over Christmas break. There, he forms an unlikely bond with a troubled student and the school's head cook who lost her son in the Vietnam War. In addition to The Holdovers, Payne's other directorial credits include the feature films Downsizing, Nebraska, Election, and About Schmidt. Payne is a two-time DGA Award nominee for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Feature Film for his 2011 feature The Descendants and his 2004 feature Sideways. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Payne spoke with director Jason Reitman about filming The Holdovers. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. First of all, good evening. Thank you for coming. And first things first, where's uh, first assistant director Rod Smith? Oh, nice. Oh, I love that. Where is he? Rod? There he is, okay. And is, is our second assistant director, John Nasserway, in the house. There he is. Ah. And anybody else from the team? Who else made it? I know uh, UPM Chris Stinson can't make it. Anybody else make it? Okay. All right, very good. Okay. So, Rod, if he lies tonight, just feel free. <laughs> just stand up, come right down. We'll get you a mic. You can be the truth check on anything. Um, it is always an honor to be a moderator at the DGA. Um, that, as you all know, that the way this works is at the DGA, it is always another director who moderates your screening. And when someone asks you to do it, it's a huge honor when anyone does. But if one of your heroes does it, it's particularly meaningful. And I'm honored to be here with you tonight on stage. You and, big, you uh, big lug. Uh, it's the truth. Um, and and look, frankly, uh, I was sitting here in the audience tonight. And, and I've already seen the, I saw the movie first in Telluride. I saw it again tonight. And, um, and you broke my ribs again, and it makes it really hard to come up on stage and actually have a casual conversation with you. Um, uh, but uh, let's, if you don't mind, let's begin with the screenplay. And this is unusual. This is the, this is the first script, and I know that this, this came from one of your ideas, but this is the first script that you've directed that you didn't write. Nebraska. This is the second script. <laughs> How does that change the process for you? 
It really doesn't. I mean, by the time I, I start shooting, I've gotten under the hood myself. And then, of course, I was attracted to the screenplay for some, I mean, at least in the case of Nebraska, attracted to the screenplay for the same reason I might be attracted to a book to adapt. Like, oh, I, I know what to do with this. And I could find ways to make it also personal to me. And then the, the process with this one was unique in that, as you said, I had the idea for the film based on a French film from 1935. And uh, I then commissioned the screenplay. I wasn't looking for a writer, but I got a TV pilot script out of the blue that also took place in a boarding school, a world I had had no personal life experience in. So I called that writer and I said, hey, I've got this idea I've been sitting on for a while, um, you know, based on your very fine pilot screenplay, would you consider writing something for me for a feature? And he said, yes. So that's how it came about. So it was kind of my first uh, experience. Maybe you've had it directing a writer. You know, together we kind of hashed out the story. I mean, he proposed three, four, five different uh, scenarios. I went with one and then, you know, I'm c constantly giving him notes and, as I say, getting under the hood myself at a certain point. Um, it feels so much like your voice, even in the dialogue. And I'm curious when the first time you read that pilot of his, did you feel like you were seeing some of your own voice in his writing no, already? No, not in the pilot. In this, though, but, you know, the nice thing is, I mean, it's kind of you to say that it's in my voice. What makes me feel good is that the screenwriter would say that about himself, too. He would, mm -hmm. he, he, uh, we came up with a product, uh, personal to us both. There's, I mean, there's moments in here that are pain moments. And, and I, I, I kind of mean the pun on purpose. You have this way of, and it's, it's, I think it's in every one of your films where you are so effortlessly charming and then you come in with a punch and you hurt us. Um, I think, I mean, the, the most obvious moment for me is the Christmas party and uh, this, but you also feel it in Boston. And I'm wondering, is that something that you are looking for? Or do you think that happens as an automatic for you? Great answer. Um, I, <laughs> you know, you, 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 the, your first impetus is I want to make a movie. Right. I'm not, I don't want to express anything. I don't want to reveal anything. I don't want to confess anything. <laughs> I just want to make a movie. And in the process of making a movie, all those things come. You expose, you confess, you, you know, express whatever, you know, as you, particularly as you're unconscious of it. And then afterwards, you yourself can kind of look at, oh, God, look what I was thinking about. Uh, but similarly, with a sense of, of um, a narrative, What's funny, what's dramatic, what's surprising? What are character traits that are utterly in keeping with the character, but then utterly surprising, like the ending of Five Easy Pieces? Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as that, you know, have, uh, what, what did you say? Um, the pain. Like, like ha having, a, la <laughs> you know, having a, a jolly sequence or something and then coming in for a punch. I don't know. You want to keep people on your, their toes, I guess. Uh, you talked about vulnerability. Is there, if, when I look at, uh, I, and we'll talk about the cast in a second because it's, it's expertly cast. Uh, do you see yourself in one of the characters more than another? Is there anyone no, you're all living of, through? All of them. All of them. They're all you. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about them. Uh, like all of your films, 
perfectly cast. It's Thank kind you. of impossible to imagine Most anyone else. Most important thing of what we do. Uh, Screenplay and casting. Yeah. Uh, the boy had never acted before? He had acted, but never in front of a camera. He was, <laughs> so the boy, Dominic Sessa, uh, he was an actual senior at Deerfield Academy when we shot playing, in essence, a junior at Deerfield Academy. Uh, we had, we, the casting director, Susan Shopmaker, and I had gone through 800 submissions turned our noses up at all of them, <laughs> you know, found some of the other kids through that uh, process and then uh, just called up the schools where I was actually going to be shooting. We were going to do that anyway as a matter of, yeah. I mean, I liked in inclusion and politeness and everything. Well, and that you, uh, you also, that came, you had success with that on election, right? The, uh, wasn't one of the kids working on the yearbook? Uh... Yes. Yeah. Steve Fouch. Larry, yeah. The, the, the one who kind of busts Mr. McAllister yeah. toward the end. He was a senior at my high school in Omaha and Chris Klein was an actual senior in high school. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but not in a big leady part like this one, you know? So, uh, anyway, I picked up two actors from, from Deerfield, him and the blonde kid toward the beginning goes, wait, he does what to the Cobb salad? I, <laughs> I eat that Cobb salad. He was an actual junior at, uh, Deerfield, that guy. It's scary how good he is. I mean, are you at a point where you don't get intimidated at, uh, a week before shooting? Is there any part of you going into this going... My movie sits on the shoulders of someone who's never been in a film before. You can talk about it now. I mean, it's clearly a success. I'd... You're always kind of rolling the dice, but it's a controlled roll of the dice. By the time I pulled the trigger on him, he had auditioned maybe eight times. I'd hauled it, and he was really bad the first two or three times. <laughs> no, because he'd never even auditioned for a movie, and so he thought, oh, I have to, like, rehearse a lot and prepare <laughs> and, you know, and make choices. And then like the choices he made were wrong. And, uh, it was kind of hard, you know, like a kid, you know, like kid actors and their parents have rehearsed the yep. out of them and yep. they come in and you yep. try to get them to do something different and they can't. It was a little bit like that. We had to whoop, whoop them upside the head a little bit. But then finally, when he understood like, no, we're not interested in performance. We're interested mm. in being and behavior. Or you have to show me anything. The camera's going to find it. On, he's going to smell it on you. Then he, then this film actor emerged, like from the head of Zeus. You know, he, he molted out of his that theatrical garbage and then uh, became a film actor. And I've never seen it before. I mean, I've had uh, talented actors early in their careers, like Reese Witherspoon and Shailene Woodley. But they had had experience, a lot of professional experience, both of them. This one was really something. Even technically, he was so good, is so good. Very impressive. Yeah. And, and sorry, just yeah, last yeah. thing. And, and of course, I was going to enlist Paul Giamatti as, you know, actor team captain to help the kid along and give yeah. him some pointers along the way. And he didn't need him. And then there he was, you know, doing wonders doing three, four pages of dialogue, wonders with Paul Giamatti and hitting his marks and hitting his lights and like, whoa. And all the spontaneous stuff. It's all that spontaneous movement that, that I find is almost impossible to direct because they either have, they either have instincts or they don't. Even, <laughs> and he started to bring me gifts. 
You know, he's never done it before. And then he's here like, no, I know how to want to, I, I know how I want to play this today, Alexander. Well, all right. <laughs> or or when he's when he's being chased, you know, in that little chasey sequence yeah. where he winds up dislocating his shoulder, he does a cartwheel on his way. He came up with that. That really? was in the script. And he's like, I could do a cartwheel. I'm like, show me. Yeah, awesome. And it yeah. kind of sets up a little bit that he's feeling all frisky before being overly frisky on the on the vault. Um, in yeah. the chase scene. Uh, I want I, I want to talk about both Divine and Paul, but it just reminded me in the chase scene he looks to camera. Yeah, and there's so many moves in this film that so warmly put me back in the '70s. All, all the use of the uh, the zoom, obviously, your dissolves, the shooting style, the framing, the color. Um, does that stuff come from instinct or does that come from, all right, I'm preparing for this movie. I'm going to be rewatching all these movies. I'm going to be sharing it with everyone I'm making the movie with. Instinct. And then how do you get everyone else there? That, uh, because that may also, not be the instinct of I mean, your key I, grip. I, I, was not be the instinct a, of your... I was in a director's roundtable discussion yesterday and they were all talking about storyboarding. And fortunately, the question never got to me because I would have had to say, I never storyboard. I just kind of think up stuff, and which is not to say you don't want to be prepared. I mean, I, I, I sweat bullets days where I'm like not prepared enough. You always mm. want to be prepared. But, you know, even that the lovely shot in the film, I think it's lovely, uh, where the boy confesses to the man at the restaurant about what happened to the father and why he's in the, in the asylum. It starts on a tight close-up and mm. slowly zooms out. I didn't think about that till the morning I was driving to set, and I thought, "Oh yeah, what about the, that first shot of the Godfather? Oh yeah, that would huh. be, be a good thing to steal today." <laughs> <laughs> morning on on the way to set is so yeah. good. It um, really it's like popping a pimple. It just forces you for, when, <laughs> forces you to think forces you to think. If of you stuff. take anything away tonight, <laughs> um, yeah. When did you do your homework? The night before, or the morning of. When do I do my homework? When did you do your homework in high school? Oh, um, uh, up until about 3 a.m. the night before. Oh, okay. No, but, no, I, yeah. Did you have a favorite teacher in high school? I had a teacher, um, yeah, I had a couple, but one who, one who stuck out was a kind of a jerk disciplinarian like this guy. Really? Yeah, Latin teacher. First two years of Latin. Father Michael Hindelang, S.J. <laughs> But that's a whole other rabbit hole we could go down, Father Hindelang. Uh, it's strange. My association with you and Paul Giamatti is as though you had made 20 movies together. And I think everyone feels that way. And it's crazy that it's like, it's two. Um, he feels like he is your voice on screen. Um, I'm, I think we're all probably just very curious about what your working process is like together. Um. Very abbreviated. We don't have that much to say to each other hmm. because we both understand what we're doing. Rod, would you say that's true? You were, I mean, directing is kind of a blur now for me, but when, when we were around camera, I remember like the gaffer and the key grip saying like, you know, the Boston guy saying, we've seen shorthand before between actor and, and director, but not this short. I mean, like, <laughs> it'd just be like, hey, Paul, would you, yeah. Well, I don't really know what he's going to do. I mean, we talk about other things. We talk about other things. Well, it's when you when you cast Paul Giamatti, it's like casting Meryl Streep or Laurence Olivier. You're curious to see what he's going to do with the part. It could be like this. It could be like this. It could be like this. They'd all be good and truthful and wonderful. And 
Um, you know, if I need to nudge it a little bit this way or that, I do. But um, he's create, and also he's from that world. It was written for him. The character's name is Paul. He went to Choate. He went to Yale. He told me, I know how to play this guy. I, had, I knew this guy. I'm he wanted add, to play it with a mustache. I'd never imagined the man with the mustache. He grows out a mustache. Great. <laughs> I'm going to ask what may seem like a very mundane question, but when working with that amount of trust, do you even say, I'd love you to start in the chair and in the end of the scene walk out the door? Oh, yeah. It- oh, yeah. You got to direct. Okay. Okay. I'm just asking. I, uh, I wasn't sure if you well, just give him the space and say, I'll figure it uh, out. You, I- you, have, <laughs> you have to direct these. You have to direct these creatures. <laughs> uh Divine. Yeah, Davine. Davine, apologies. Yeah, yeah. Is extraordinary. Um, she plays Mary. I'm curious, was that an audition? Did you know her work already? I had seen her in Dolomite is my name. Oh, she was great in that. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. kind of all I needed to see. Yeah. I, I, when the casting director was assembling women for me to meet for that part, I just said, make sure I see that gal from Dolomite. And uh, first we Zoom audition, Zoomed talked about it for like an hour. And then I came back and I said, look, I know you can do it. I, I always need readings. I, mm-hmm. even with lead parts, mm. even Bruce Dern on Nebraska, I kind of knew he was going to have it. I still needed to come him to come in and read. It just mm. helps me so much. And, uh, so then she, a week or so later, she read for me via zoom and it's like, okay, let's do it. And, but I like actors with, with comedy backgrounds to do dramatic parts. That's important. Yeah, why is that? I, I know they, exactly they keep what you it mean. From being, they, they keep it buoyant. Keep it from being dreary. You know, and there's got to be still a, a rhythm. I still want, you know, the movies have to be charming, even in during the, the pathos parts. So um, it's actors with comic chops know how to do that. And they give you extra. They give you more than but, a dramatic actor But in, actor in does. your films, don't you now think that's true that you're... Oh, a thousand percent. You know, in your dramatic parts, it's good to have comic actors. Yeah, but I also do the opposite. Then I'm with Charlize and I'm like, let's just go all funny with you. Yeah, well, so. she, well she's hilarious. She she's, is. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the hidden secret about her. Um, there's a moment... So, I mean, to watch Devine, uh, Devine uh, in this and The Idol this year, and she's amazing in both, and... Could not be more different roles for oh. me. That's I, I think it's always joyful when you see an actor where they just are able to hit two completely different things in one year. Um, there's a moment in that Christmas party scene where you're just pushing in on her and she goes through 10 different emotional moments and then asks for another drink. And that's one of those moments that, and maybe it's because I'm older or I've now you know, directed more than maybe when I was younger, I wouldn't have been in such awe of, but now I watch and I go, I just don't know how you do that. And I, I'm curious, when you look at that moment, was that magic or do you do you know how you got that? That shot and that performance? Yeah. Again, it's just, it's a shot I thought of. Uh, well, during the party sequence, it's still a bonding experience among the three protagonists, even as they're peeled away from one another. And uh, the audience has a chance, I reckoned, will have a chance to enter the subjectivity of each of those three and have a moment. And then each of those characters is going to have a moment of loneliness. So the boy early on stares at the 
snow globe mm. and all sound peels away except for the tinkly tink of the mm. snow globe. And then for divine, it's reverie about her deceased son and all sound is stripped away except for that Artie Shaw song, that improbable Artie Shaw mm. song. And then with Paul, uh, after he sees Miss Crane kissing the boyfriend, then all sound is stripped away and we dolly into him, right. except for Andy Williams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Divine, yeah, I just, she's so good to look at. You know, you just want to look at her. And she's so good. She was, she was good with dialogue, but good in silence. And I like her uh, when she uh, puts the, her, her son's uh, baby clothes away. Oh, she was very good there, and she was very good. Her face spoke in that shot you're talking about. Her face spoke more than her words could, you know, by a thousand percent. It always feels like a gift, right? You work with an actor where you could just let the camera roll, and you know, oh, this, yeah, they're just giving it to me for free right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're supposed to do that. I, I, Actor, I know, but it's rare. Actors are supposed to bring, you know, <laughs> the building's supposed to look a lot better than your architectural, you know, your blueprints. Uh, first time with a new cinematographer, yeah? Yeah. How was that? Oh, I love this guy. Eigel, Eigel Brilled, the Dane. Uh, I, uh, four years ago, I was uh, putting together a movie that um, a lot of it was going to shoot in Scandinavia. So I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have a Scandinavian DP? So right. I met a bunch of Scandinavian DPs, and he was one of them. I didn't hire him then, uh, but I liked him. And Fincher had always told me he's the hardest working uh, DP I've ever worked with. Anything, though, from that uh, working experience that was unique from working uh, with Faden or anything? Well, DPs and editors are the best, aren't they? They're just so lovely to work with in general. Editors tend to be, I think DPs and editors are like the most optimistic of, of film people. They're not burdened by, you know, editors like, oh, it didn't work. Well, let's go back to the cutting room and keep trying. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we'll, we'll, we'll get that baby rolling. And cinematographers, too, they're just, they're like, oh, what, what are all you people arguing about over here? I'm just waiting to shoot a movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just... They have, and they have control over their crew. They're, it's like the Air Corps, <laughs> you know. And so, I, yeah, I, we had a good time with him, didn't we, with Eigel? Real, real uh, hilarious guy, like still waters run deep. He doesn't say anything for a while. Then when he does, it does, it's just like devastatingly funny. <laughs> and we shared a good um, um, sensibility and aesthetic. And neither of us, I think, had ever worked in 166. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the pictures in 166. And I, I'm still like in film school. You know, I've worked in, haven't worked in 133 yet, not since film school. That's next, I hope. But I um, wanted to try it 166 in this one. Uh, I remember something you said on the election commentary, and you talked about wind. There was a shot of Reese, and the wind went through her hair, and I remember you talked about how important that wind is a character, that we, that directors often forget that environment is a character. In their movies. Elements. Uh, elements. Elements, sorry. Yeah, rain is so great in movies. Snow is so great in movies. Westerns in the snow. And I guess what I'm curious about, and, and you feel it throughout this movie, is a way that you're using trees, a way you use snow, what's outside the windows. Um, um, is that instinctual or is that something you're planning? Is that something you're trying for? You're on the hunt for it. I mean, it, it hasn't been, I mean, snow was, if you're kind of, I mean, first of all, it's a lovely question. Thank you. And thanks for noticing it. And um, 
in this one, snow was the big thing. Yeah. And in and I had envisioned it always. And then David Hemmingson, the screenwriter, when he came on board, we envisioned it very, very snowy. And thank God, the the film gods, that uh, it the timing worked out that we were going to start shooting in mid to late January of 2022. And snow comes late anymore you know you, you really don't get snow here in the states until mm. like january and then it pushes into march or april uh so that timing worked for the you know the budget and everything and our casting and prep and everything also hitting giamatti finishing billions and getting to catch his breath for a minute right. grow out his hair grow the mustache took about a month six weeks just all worked out and then we got dumped on i, I think about 80 percent of the snow is real Really? Oh yeah. The we in fact we lost a couple of days of shooting because uh, you know you couldn't get the trucks in. Um, and then with the real snow, probably eighty percent real snow was uh, supported by two hundred tons of fake snow. Right. By a fantastic. Did you do the ice chips or the blankets? Uh, both ice chips, blankets, uh, styrofoamy things, fluffy things, and then some <laughs> digital toward the end. The ice chips always bother me because they they often were used for fish earlier that day. Oh, and so now you tell me. Uh, so the, the, yeah, the ice what, chips. What have you used? What gnarly. have you used? Uh, Snow on. Uh oh my god! Uh, before I ever made movies, I directed a lot of commercials, and I did Walmart's Christmas campaign two years in a <laughs> row. Uh, okay. A lot of snow, and you always okay. think, oh, we'll put on Christmas music; the crew will love it. And then you yeah. find out the crew's been direct, you know, working on nothing but Christmas commercials for three months, and they want to murder you. Juno, uh, you know we got lucky. One big snow day. Oh, it snowed, and it was like, get the runners out. Run them through the snow. Uh, I feel like Hal Ashby is just singing to you in this movie. I feel like he's watching down, and we lost Hal Ashby too soon. He died young and uh, and didn't get to make as many movies as he should have. And I feel like in this, we got an additional Hal Ashby film. Uh, I think it's the... Um, I know he's important to you. I, I'm curious, um, again, uh, is he someone you study or is he someone who just kind of flows through you? Both. I watch, uh, of the movies I watch at least once a year, there's the the last detail. Mm. I like that. That's my favorite. That's my favorite, you know, and Landlord. Yeah, yeah, Landlord. You know, I, I can go with, uh, with all the others. I'm talking about from Landlord through being there, yep. not into the 80s. Um. But this, the screenwriter and I did take some indirect influence, maybe from the last detail. Three, a love story among three characters, mm -hmm. three people, three uh, very distinct vessels in which you know a human's a soul has been poured, and how they kind of have to stay in their confines, assigned by life you know race class job whatever gender but still find ways to reach their hand across and fall in love somehow we we like that yeah i mean that um i feel like that's part of all of your films is this sense of people who need that type of companionship and are trying to figure out a way to express themselves it's is this lovely moment of paul in the um uh, 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 in the museum, uh, and he's articulating a sense of you know the, the the importance to the only way to understand now is to look at the past, and he's right. clearly talking about himself. 
And I'm sure a lot of people felt uh, the same thing. When you watch him do that monologue, you cannot help but think of him delivering the monologue in, in, sideways. in sideways, where yeah. he talks about the wine and he's clearly right. talking right. about uh, um, himself. Um, do you feel like with these films you're talking about yourself? And in this one specifically, what do you think you were speaking about, if you know by now? Well, there's no way in hell I would tell you. Oh, come on, Alexander. It's the DGA. We're all brothers here. <laughs> and sisters. Uh, what was the question? Um, well, I can't... Uh, what? Is it... There's, look, there's a reveal. That every, every one of our films is we're either apologizing for something or we're trying to understand something about ourselves. And even your characters are specifically doing that in dialogue to us. You're making me think of Eight and a Half. I think of Eight and a Half a lot. <laughs> He's apologizing for something, right, right, explaining right. something and making, you know. Uh, yes, but I, uh, I'm hard-pressed to talk about issues of confession or, or uh, theme I, I never want to give anything away. Like it's easy. It's for me personally. It's easy to talk about process. It's really hard to talk about theme. Let's just talk about the budget for a second. No, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but um, it, it is. And I also would. I never would want to guide a viewer's uh, reading of a film. Um, I just want viewers to get what they get out of it, and yeah. You know. And the other thing too, yeah. here's 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 a better answer too for the personal side. Mm. I, as I said a few minutes ago, I kind of have to make a movie to know what was rattling around inside of me at that point in my life. I don't. It's I'm unconscious of in the moment. Uh, I've got to let eight or ten years go by and then watch a film and go, oh. You know. We're all gonna meet here. <laughs> uh, I meant what I said at the beginning. You're one of my heroes. It's an you, honor to sit here on stage with you. And um, your films flow through all of us, particularly this one. Thank you for this movie. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 